0: Welcome to Down There Aware. I'm Alex. And I'm Mary, Alex's mama. Each week we sit down to discuss various topics concerning gynecologic cancers and women's health
1: care. In 2019, at the age of 32, I was diagnosed with uterine cancer and became painfully aware of just how unaware I was of everything down there. On this podcast, we interview experts, share personal
0: stories, and explore new research. No subject is off-limits, so we caution you to listen at your own discretion.
1: Good morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening. (laughs) Hello, hello. I forget sometimes that we're not live, (laughs) and um, so whenever you're listening to this, hello. Thank you for joining us today on our episode of Down There Aware. We are ending or... The month of June, um, got a lot of plans underway. I can't believe it's the end of June already. We're halfway through oh. 2021. Wow. That's... I know, it's weird. We're coming up on my two-year diagnosis anniversary, my cancer anniversary. coming up. We have some, um, we'll have some news in a few weeks because I go for my six-month appointment and I'm getting everything. I'm getting Blood work, I'm getting a CT scan, I'm getting a pelvic exam. So that's the way to do it. Yeah. So we'll have some updates. And should everything come back all clear, I will kind of graduate to only being seen every six months instead of being seen every three months. Hey little baby steps baby steps is right we got some family coming into town next week so we're really excited um so we thought that we would record once and release twice so we're gonna um record a little bit of a longer episode today and then split it up in two parts so you'll have to hang on for the week after new and exciting things it is and we thought what can we talk about for an hour And, you know, we have a lot of stuff we can talk about for a long time. But uh, something that we thought about was pain because we have both experienced pain. And I think pretty much every single one of our listeners has experienced pain of some kind. Um, And so to kick it off, I wanted to highlight this quote from Virginia Woolf's On Being Ill. She says, the merest schoolgirl when she falls in love has Shakespeare or Keats to speak her mind for her but let a sufferer try to describe a pain in his head to a doctor and language runs dry. Oh, that is so true.
0: And you know, I, a couple things come to mind once. Um, I mean, one, it, it is really difficult to describe pain to a doctor. I mean, I've been in that scenario as most of us have several different times, several different kinds of doctors. And, um, it's just difficult because you're different people, you experience things differently, your perceptions are differently. I always are are different and I always say to people, I want your file folder to be as full as mine and, and so I try to give background information because... Um, you know, if they don't know you, they don't know you and they don't understand where you're coming from. That's one thing. But the other thing is that doctors, you know, uh, the doctor is the constant, but the patients go through this revolving door and everyone is different. Every patient is different. So they have a different vocabulary. They have a different perspective. They have different experiences. That must really be frustrating for doctors to try to figure things out, to try
1: to figure patients out. Yeah. And on top of that, in my research, I found that there is scientific evidence that individuals feel pain differently. I believe that. It's not just language, um, you know, it's not just how we describe our pain, but actually how we feel our pain is different because of the receptors that tell our brain we're in pain um, and we need, you know, our body to react to that. And so because our brains are individual, everything is different. So, you know, me stubbing my toe might feel different or less severe or more severe than someone else doing the exact same you know, motion.
0: And that goes to, um, the times we've talked about in other episodes of not judging people because you may have, well, an exam, perfect example for me is childbirth. I, um, really don't have a grasp when I'm watching a movie or something and women are screaming at the top of their lungs. Um, I can't grasp that because that didn't happen to me. I, um, I really made no sounds
1: (laughs) other than I think I said, do I get another epidural? (laughs) You had a Scientology birth, complete (laughs) silence. No, I just, um,
0: I had no desire to scream or talk ugly or make any sounds at all. And that just goes to show you how everybody is different. Well, not only
1: different in how you're reacting, right? You're not screaming about the pain, Um, but who knows? Maybe another individual who pushed out an 11-pound baby had a different kind of pain or a different series of pain or, you know, everybody is different. Yeah.
0: Well, tell me, what is the worst pain you've experienced?
1: Oh, that's really hard. Mm. The worst pain. Yeah, can you
0: think back and just think? And, and
1: you know, that may be difficult to answer because there are different kinds of pain. Well, and that's what I was thinking. Like there are so many different kinds of pain. Um, I, I keep coming back to one when I'm, when I'm going over various things because I've never broken a bone. Um, I've been in a couple of car wrecks, but was never injured in those. Um, so I don't have a lot of like accidental pain, I guess you can say, um, um, But I think after my, I would say both of my brain surgeries, but particularly my second brain surgery, my abdomen hurt the worst.
0: Yeah. And you probably are going to have to explain to our listeners
1: why (laughs) when having brain surgery, your abdomen
0: abdomen would hurt.
1: Yeah. So with this particular brain surgery, I had two shunts installed at two different times, but one on each side of my head. And the way a shunt works, it's a valve that goes in your brain, um, and when the water on your brain gets too high, the uh, cerebral spinal fluid level is too high, of uh, the valve turns on, and it drains through tubing. And the tubing runs, now picture your, your body, the tubing runs behind your ear, down your neck across and down your sternum. Now this is all subcutaneous. So it's like, I can feel it under my skin. It's not under muscle or bone or anything. I've got you (laughs) under my skin. Mom has a song for everything (laughs) and that's great. Um, But yeah, so they have to like tunnel it down under your skin. um, And then it ends up in your peritoneal cavity, which is just your abdominal cavity where all of your um, organs are held. And your peritoneum is just a thin membrane under the muscle to kind of keep all of that stuff together. Well, they cut your abdomen open vertically. I don't know; it's a three-inch incision, maybe yeah, four least inches. It's um, huge. And, yeah, it feels huge. Um, and they reach in, and they can only shove the tubing down so far. So they reach in and pull it, and you know, cut the muscle and put it where it's supposed to be in your peritoneal cavity. So that pain of, and I think the second one was worse because they opened the same incision that had partially healed and probably almost fully healed because it was about a month later. Mm -hmm. Um, And so they reopened the same cavity uh, to put in the second tubing. And it was, it was a combination of the incision pain, but also something you don't think about when you have abdominal surgery. So there's no air inside your body except in your lungs. That's pretty, you know, standard. When they cut open your abdomen, it fills with air. So when they close it back up, they don't like pss, vacuum out all <laughs> of the air. They just leave it in there and it kind of dissipates and gets absorbed into the body. Um, but it is, it's the worst gas pain I've ever had. And it doesn't feel like normal, like intestinal gas pain Well, probably because there's so much of it so much of it and it's in kind of weird places and it was i mean if we're gonna use like describing words for me in particular it was sharp and stabbing but constant it you know it didn't ebb and flow it just kept on and kept on and um and it got to the point where we we were talking to the nurse and we're like, she needs something they need, you know? And honestly, the thing that worked was they gave me some gas X <laughs> and like, you, you know, you don't think about that. You haven't eaten 24 hours. You just had surgery, but all of the air from that abdomen. So I, that's what I would say. I think my worst pain uh, would be. What wow. about you? That's interesting. Um, well, I
0: like, Like I said, childbirth wasn't for me like it was like I've seen other people. Uh, So I wouldn't say childbirth, although a lot of people say childbirth is the absolute worst pain.
1: Your vagina was ripped (laughs) open. Like I don't, I mean TMI, but like sometimes too big of a BM hurts. (laughs) Like come on. Well, but honestly,
0: I think a lot of my perception about pain Is if you know it's not forever, somehow it doesn't seem as bad because you know it's not going to last forever. That's not how I think. So
1: (laughs) if you're thinking right now, gosh, Mary, I wish I could think like that. (laughs) You're not alone that you don't because Alex doesn't. Well,
0: I I don't know if that's it, but it kind of seems that way for me. Um, so I wouldn't say childbirth when I had my open heart surgery, um, probably the worst pain was like when I tried to get out of bed, you know, moving my upper body, um, because my, you know, sternum had been sawed on. So, uh, and wired back together. (laughs) I was going to say, they, they broke your, your ribs, (laughs) opened them up and then put them back together. So, uh, you know, that was painful. Um, probably about five or six months after that open heart surgery, I was actually at a high school reunion (laughs) and I thought I was having a heart attack and my husband took me to the ER. And as it turned out, I had pneumonia and one of my lungs had collapsed. And I will say that was pretty painful. Um, but I thought I was having a heart attack because of how people describe heart attacks um, you know, this heavy weight on your chest and sharp pain and that kind of thing. Uh, but it ended up being pneumonia and a collapsed lung. Um, but as I look back, I'm thinking now, maybe it's cause it's the most recent pain, but <laughs> I'm thinking what, what really was the worst pain for me was the last time I was in the hospital just a couple months ago. And, um, the nurse, nursing student was supposed to give me some i don't know if she was just setting up the iv or she was actually giving me some medication
1: she was giving me something because that ended up being the issue yeah they were giving mom an intravenous medication um and oh it was um it was to stop my to slow my yeah, heart yeah it was rate to slow your down. heart rate yeah. down but we learned that mom's veins are very valvy, valvy, valvular. Which val- the other day I heard somebody say, no. "Yes, they." Um, it was on TikTok. Hello, um, they were talking about phlebotomists. Who some girl was complaining about, like, if you can't give me an IV, you need to change jobs, kind of thing about her nurse and somebody was defending the nurse and saying no some people are really hard to stick if you're dehydrated or if you have a lot of valves in your veins and I was like that's a real thing yeah and <laughs> nobody's ever said that to me before they've always just praised my big old veins and how easy it was well but the difference is it's the difference between injecting something and drawing out you yeah, give blood yeah, all the time that's true and the valves don't matter because they're not blocking things from going into your blood well whatever happened happened and um she kept putting
0: the fluid in and i could see my forearm starting to swell as she was putting it in and i even kind of tapped it with my um two fingers of the other hand and said that's getting kind of puffy and she just kept putting it in <laughs> and um by the time she got finished my arm was pretty big. It was nearly twice the size. Uh, uh, the top of it was huge. And as time went by, that pain became ins- excruciating. I ha- I think that probably is the worst pain I've ever had. It was a, um, oh, it was just a constant ache from my shoulder to my fingertips, this constant throbbing Ache and it just got worse and worse and worse. And I think for me, a lot of the problem was I didn't know why it was happening. I didn't know when it was going to end. And um that made if it it was going to end. end, That's right. It was bad. It was really bad. And then (laughs) they finally got some approval to give me um pain med, and that was an injectable. And they tried that, and it evidently didn't go in, and so I got zero pain relief, but they couldn't give me anything else because they'd already given me that. You know, we can send somebody to the moon, and somehow we can't figure that out. I
1: don't get it. Well, and also, you were NPO uh, because they were going to do a procedure the next day, so no water. No, I mean, you were already dehydrated. Like, there were a lot of issues um, with that situation, but... I know that's the most pain that I've seen you in. Oh, it was, it was not good. It was really, really bad. Yeah.
0: And you know, I think about my dad, he was in pain the, the majority of the time, the end of his life or the probably the last quarter of his life or maybe even third of his life. Um, and one doctor even said after looking at his x-rays at How full of arthritis he was He said I honestly don't know how he's up walking around um, And that really was sobering for the rest of us to to understand But he never complained Here I am in the hospital room saying Get the nurse <laughs> This hurts worse than my heart surgery <laughs> Get the nurse And my dad just never ever complain
1: no he never did but you know what i think if you are in a situation where you're in pain you don't have to be in pain you don't have to endure it i do think that's a generational thing I, you know yeah, I do he too. was from the greatest generation and mm-hmm. they you know suffered through the depression depression the wars. through wars through all kinds of things so to complain about a little little arthritis pain, I say in air quotes because I'm sure he was in excruciating pain. It was nothing to, you know, some of the stories he told us and some of the the horrors that he had seen in his lifetime. So definitely a situational difference and a generational difference.
0: Yeah, I think so too. And and I think knowing too that um, you should never have to be in pain. And here I was in the hospital with medical people all around me. And that was frustrating for me to think, why can't they do something about this? This is ridiculous. And, um, I think that added to my frustration, which I think added to the pain. Uh, just my
1: mindset was in the toilet. <laughs> well, and you know, in my research, I have, uh, have learned that there are two kinds of pain, um, kind of big subcategories. There's acute pain, which is usually treated, um, by treating the underlying injury that has caused that pain. So you break a bone, your arm hurts, they set it and it heals and that pain goes away. Um, but I think in your instance, they didn't know, I mean, we know what caused it, but not why or how, or, you know, and they even tried, um, I didn't realize this, but the nurses have a a book of, um, medications and how they react, if they react better to hot or cold. Um, and so this medication particularly reacted better to cold. And so they put cold compresses on it and that didn't even seem to really help much. Um, so it, you know, it just really when you don't know what the cause of the pain is, it's harder to treat it. Um, And, you know, it's interesting. So acute pain is the kind of pain that triggers the fight or flight. Um, That's how you can kind of differentiate between um, acute and the other kind, which is chronic. And within acute pain, I found this really interesting. There are three kinds. There's somatic, and that's when a person feels kind of superficial pain on your skin or soft tissue. So a cut or a bruise or something like that. Visceral pain is pain that originates in the internal organs and the linings of cavities in the body. So that's more of you have a stomach ache or you have appendicitis, that kind of internal pain. And then referred pain. This is interesting. A person feels referred pain at a location other than the source of tissue damage. For example, people often experience shoulder pain during a heart attack.
0: That's interesting. And I I really did experience referred pain one time when I ended up finding out what I had was what's called a frozen shoulder. My, um, um, rotator cuff, cuff. (laughs) lost that for a minute. My rotator cuff was, you know, damaged and caused my shoulder to freeze up. And, um, but the pain I had initially was in my uh, uh, (laughs) on my arm my upper arm if any of you have the um scar from childhood for a vaccination it's about where that is um i had this sharp pain that would just hurt periodically and when i went to the doctor they um, did some testing and they said that's what it was it was my rotator cuff and I went to physical therapy, and um, the PT said the same thing. That's referred pain, and that's where people complain of the most pain when they have a problem with the rotator cuff, and it, particularly if it's a frozen shoulder. And I went through, I don't know, four or five weeks of PT, and it fixed it. I mean, that it was amazing to me that it would hurt in a totally different place.
1: Yeah, well, I think about um, my uh, neurological condition uh, inter- Uh, idiopathic intracranial hypertension when i was first diagnosed i all of my pain was i had a stiff neck i had stiff shoulders i had back aches um i couldn't lie flat anywhere except a hard ground surface i couldn't sleep in a bed um, or even on a couch but i never had headaches and everybody asked you and everybody asked (laughs) You know, oh, do you have a headache? Because that was like the number one presenting, you know, uh, symptom. symptom, and so I never did. And some people have eye pain because of the pressure behind their eyes, and I just never had any of that. Um, and so how I was presenting was not typical. It was not standard practice, and so I went undiagnosed for a wa- a long while. A, You know, over a week. And I saw the pediatrician every day that week until they finally diagnosed me on Friday. So, um, yeah, I think that's my only experience with referred pain, but, uh, let, let me clear that up about you saw the pediatrician. We
0: saw different All in the same practice, but they were different pediatricians. That's true. uh, Several of those days. And so I think that was a lot of the problem, the different perspective of each of those pediatricians. And finally, that Saturday morning when we went in, Mm -hmm. um, the one we saw, we hadn't seen him before. Yeah, because he was like the on-call
1: guy. Yeah, And he's the one who diagnosed you. He is the one who diagnosed me, which is rare for a pediatrician to catch that, um, you know, disease. but. Luckily he found it and we got, uh, the relief I needed within the next week. So, you know, I think that's my only experience with preferred pain. The other kind of pain, chronic pain, I have a little bit more experience with, but you know, these are, um, pain that lasts for longer than acute pain. That's kind of a broad definition for it. And often there's no cure for chronic pain. Um, and this could be things like we talked about with arthritis, migraines are considered chronic pain um or i often think of chronic pain with back pain a lot of different people have back pain and that's my chronic pain um where that comes from i have two degenerating discs from a car wreck uh, almost 20 years ago now and um so that degeneration has caused some some issues um and you know it's interesting because with chronic pain You have had it for so long, your fight or flight just kind of fades away and you don't have that urge to fix the pain. It's more of, I'm just going to put up with it and deal with it. Um, And that's uh, how it can be differentiated with acute pain. And if enough cases of acute pain occur, then they build up electrical signals in your central nervous system that overstimulate the nerve fibers and become chronic pain. Mm.
0: Well, and I think um, that's probably one of the things that happened with your papa. He he had so much pain so much of the time that he somehow learned to deal with it, just learned to handle it, put it out of his mind.
1: And I think we... Um, learn to do things to avoid, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of triggering our, our pain, my back pain in particular, it's low back pain. Um, if I sit too long, if I stay in one position too long, always in the morning, because I, you know, you're sleeping for several hours. Um, I get stiff and twisting is a big trigger for my pain. Um, so I've just learned to be a little more careful. I don't move as freely or as quickly as I used to, um, because there have been some times where I'll twist the wrong way and have a real sharp pain. It's not the normal dull kind of achy chronic pain, but it's like, okay, you did a little too much. Stop there. Yeah. I, um,
0: I have a similar, well, I guess it's only similar in that it's the back. (laughs) But I have sciatica and I have been dealing with it for, gosh, probably two or three years now and, um, have finally found a chiropractor who I go to and I am now getting some relief. And, uh, you know, for me, that's what has worked. And, um, unless or until I do some kind of move, like Alex talked about twisting or, lifting or something I really shouldn't do, I do pretty well. But, um, if I do any of those things, then I have to go back to the chiropractor sooner than, you know, just a regular checkup because I've messed it up. Now, migraines are another thing that I've dealt with. And I really learned a lot about migraines. And I was fortunate when we were in Orlando, I went to a migraine specialist and, um, He, he ended up also being my, uh, PCP because I liked him so much. And he worked with me on, um, migraines. He did some, I was involved in some trial, clinical trials and different studies, but he, um, explained all the different kinds of migraines, figured out what my triggers were and found a medication that worked for my migraines. It's, uh, um... Uh, vaso- triptan. Yeah, it's a triptan, and it um, constricts the blood vessels um, because what my kind of migraine was, was when, and maybe all migraines have this in common, the blood vessels are inflamed and swollen, and so they impinge on the nerves. And um, so this triptan constricts the blood vessels and it goes away. And it's like a miracle drug because it's not it's not an opioid. It's um it doesn't mess with your mind at all. It's it actually treats it, the yeah, cause of it the pain. treats the cause. And um I've I have and this is a probably a whole nother thing for another episode, but I have fought for years with insurance companies because evidently these triptans are expensive and in triptans I'm talking about axert, sumatriptan, rizatriptan um they must be expensive and so if my insurance pays for one they will only allow me like 7 for the whole month and um
1: Even though it's a non habit forming drug, non habit, but they'll prescribe you a refillable prescription of opioids opioids that you can actually, you know, become addicted to, which, you know, we're going to get into more of that in our next episode. Yeah. I mean, it really, it makes no sense
0: whatsoever, but, um, I use them very sparingly But um, they work. And, you know, if you've ever had a migraine, it's not just a bad headache. It's a whole body experience. Um, Then you know what I'm talking about. You get get a drug that works and doesn't affect you. You can go about your daily business when you can't do that. When you have a migraine, then
1: that's what you want to take. For sure. So I'm curious, what is the strangest pain you've ever experienced. Oh. You should have given me some warning about. Well, here, you can think about it cuz I have. Okay. <laughs> I figured you did. <laughs> so, when I was maybe 22 or 23, um we were visiting my um grandparents' beach house or it's their house. Um and I think it was the 4th of July or something. We were cooking out. And I was cooking on a very old stove. This is all relevant, I promise. I was cooking on a very old stove with a metal pan and whatever. I I think I was cooking mushrooms or something. And I stirred the mushrooms with a metal spoon.
0: It was an electric stove.
1: It was an electric stove. And I was promptly electrocuted um, as soon as I put it in there to stir it. And it was crazy pain. But it was... An instantaneous thing. Over the next, I don't know, two to four years, I had intermittent recurring pain in that arm. It was my right arm. It was never chronic. I, I mean, it was chronic because it lasted for a long time, but it was so intermittent. It would ache and hurt and I would have some sharp pain running down my arm and then it would kind of fade and then, I don't know, a couple months later, I'd have another episode. And sometimes it kept me up at night. I couldn't sleep. Um, and then one day, it just kind of went away. Mm. I never got treatment for it. I never um, really went to the doctor about it because what are they going to do, you know, for that kind of pain? I hadn't broken anything. And, um, and then it just went away. So I have a theory about it. A non-medical, not a doctor (laughs) theory, but I wonder if the electrocution had um, fried some of my nerves and they were like regrowing or something. And that was like a growing pain. I don't know. But that is the strangest pain that I have ever had was I was electrocuted (laughs)
0: And to say you were electrocuted that's um kind of scary <laughs> it is and
1: that's why I had to like go into it just so everyone knows the stove has been replaced <laughs> it is no longer a danger to anyone um, and between it um, the accident and the stove being replaced I only used plastic or wooden <laughs> utensils to stir
0: well I thought about what my strangest pain was and I think it was um, a foot pain a couple of years ago, whenever I would step with my right foot, I had a pain up on the top of my foot down at the base of my toes. And, um, it, it just was very weird to me. I'd not had an injury that I could remember. <laughs> um, so it bothered me enough for long enough. It like, it just didn't go away that I went to a podiatrist. Well, actually I first went to my, uh, PCP. And they sent me to a podiatrist and he did x-rays and came back in the room and said that I had injured my joint capsule, which I'd never heard of. Um, and the first thing he told me to do was tape my two toes, the two, um, the one beside my big toe and the next one, tape them together and leave them taped every day all day for a couple of weeks and then come back if the pain wasn't gone well the pain didn't go away so i went back he put me in a boot for 6 weeks and that seemed to help um so i did pretty well every now and then if i st- Step a certain way I feel the same pain but it certainly is not all the time every day so I think the boot which I still have and he said if it ever comes back to try the boot again I guess it needs to rest um but that was the weirdest thing he gave me a little lecture about footwear and um Talk to me about, what is the kind of shoes? Vionic. Vionic. I kept thinking he was saying bionic when he was talking to me. And he finally looked at me and spelled it. Um, and so Alex and I have actually gotten a couple pair of vionic shoes. And I do think that has helped. I wear those most of the time. Of course, I'm not working now. So I can, you know, be simpler with my dressing of my shoes. <laughs> but um, it's, it's helped a lot. So he said, don't ever wear those Sandals that are flat and, you know, tiny little sole. He said that's the worst thing for your foot. And, of course, those are the cutest.
1: Yeah, they are the cutest. Yeah, but are. you know what? Sometimes you just have to sacrifice style. And uh, I will say Vionic has some pretty stylish normal shoes. I mean, oh, I. Yeah. And
0: boots and boots, sandals. I, I mean,
1: I have a pair of, like, closed-toed pumps that I wear at work. Um, that They have a small kind of kitten heel but they're Vionic and they're orthopedic and I mean they look like you got them at Payless or JC or whatever so um so yeah if you're having some foot pain check out Vionic yeah and we're not getting paid for this but we have <laughs> we have used
0: them a lot and they work so
1: and if anyone from Vionic is listening we would be more than happy to have you sponsor yeah. an episode we'll write you a jingle yeah so hit us up <laughs> um all right well that is it for this part of our pain episode series mini series (laughs) it's a mini series right um so thank you so much for listening uh check us out on instagram facebook twitter pinterest tiktok all the facebook all the things i don't know i said all of them um feel free to email us bionic i'm talking to you down there aware <laughs> at gmail.com and also check out our website www.downthereaware.com we have all of our show notes um, uh, with all of the links that you may need from all of the research that we have done today we will be back next week with a follow-up episode to continue our discussion of pain thanks for listening